Some 2,000 delegates from all over Canada meet for the first time in person since 2018 for the convention of the Conservative Party. They met in Quebec City, and this is a special morning update on that. Good morning. I'm Nora, and here is your special. I realized last night that I had absolutely no ability to prepare this morning's show and that I had much to say about what I saw at the convention yesterday. So here are the basics. They're meeting in Quebec City at the Centre Congrès, which is the convention center here, and they are debating policy and internal bureaucracy matters. Last night was the opening ceremonies of the convention, and I spent a good chunk of the day yesterday trying to see what was going on. I showed up with press credentials for The Maple, which, of course, I hope you all read, and The Real News Network, which some of you are listening to this podcast on. I was denied access, so let's first talk about freedom of the press and this party. I had applied properly. I applied weeks and weeks ago, and then I reapplied when the Real News Network said that uh, they'd like some news from me, and I didn't get a reply from the Director of Communications of the party, Sarah Fisher. When I showed up yesterday, Sarah Fisher looked like I was a freight train and she was a rabbit about to get smoked by me. She couldn't um, talk to me. She couldn't respond to any of my questions, which was why was my accreditation denied? She refused many times, probably 15 times over the course of the day as I asked her to say why they denied my press credential. And I watched them make press credentials for uh, two mainstream journalists and one independent journalist while I was standing there waiting for the reply. So there I was, (laughs) three and a half hours or so, waiting, 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 and refusing to leave, which of course their security team didn't like. So I had a couple of conversations with one guy who I'm not sure what his job was, who tried to get me to leave. And then their director of security, this older man named Murdoch or something, who uh, is a cop and who is in charge of all the security for the party. He insisted I leave and I said no and whatever. So kind of we went to a stalemate situation and I stood and watched. And yeah, I watched a lot of people stream in, uh, you know, people were doing registration. So I got to listen to the desk and listen to what people were talking about. Certainly the energy in the room was excitement. A lot of people haven't seen each other for a long time. Uh, a very white crowd, uh, whiter, honestly, than uh, I I would expected because the last time I was at a conservative convention, which was in Ontario, was much, much more diverse. Uh, older crowd as well. And a lot of people wearing suits, which is not too surprising. Um, men outnumber women uh, by a lot, but probably no more more than your standard union convention. And I say people were excited. So it was, it was interesting to see people streaming in. Uh, it was interesting seeing all the journalists as well, who I was able to talk to as I stood at the media desk being like, oh, so you can make passes on the on the spot. Hmm, that's interesting. So at one point after several hours of standing there, I thought, you know, uh, there's no proceedings going on. There was nothing, no, nothing was being discussed. So 
I, I decided to walk along the corridor of the convention center just to see what was going on. So I walked from one end to the other. When I turned around, I felt a presence. I felt two people following me very, very closely. Um, and I kept my pace. I didn't speed up or slow down. And I looked over my shoulder and sure enough, of course, the director of security was following me. So as I get back to the media desk, I get pushed away from it. And this man says to me, oh, no, you're going to keep going. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what? And he pushes me again uh, with his body, like, you know, positionally pushing me. And I stop. And I was like, first of all, don't touch me. And second of all, what the hell are you doing? And we get into this argument. And uh, this guy, you know, tells me he's a cop. And I tell him that I am not intimidated by that. And he says he's going to call the local police. And I said, I'm even less intimidated by that. And that they will not be able to stop me from interviewing delegates. <laughs> so this guy says several times then that if I try to interview any delegates, I will be put in jail, <laughs> which is like, Hilarious and laughable, but also isn't. So there's this whole freedom of the press side of the conservative party. They obviously are playing from an American style playbook on this, where the Republicans now are just denying press credentials to their uh, to the RNC and with no no explanation. It's basically who they want or who they don't want. And in this case, um, you know, I was caught in that trap. I I couldn't do anything. They wouldn't let me talk to people. As I say, I, I tried to, every time I talked to someone, uh, he would come right into, uh, within, I don't know, five feet of me, unless it was obvious that I was talking to like someone I knew. Uh, they had assigned a woman, a younger woman wearing a green shirt to be on me at all times. And so that was, you know, annoying to say the least and killed my whole afternoon from being able to talk to delegates about what was actually going on at this convention. You know, a convention where there's two motions on freedom of speech and freedom of expression and where freedom and freedom to say what what you want to say was a big theme in last night's opening ceremonies. Um, pretty brutal, pretty, pretty brutal. So let's switch to that opening ceremonies. The speakers last night, uh, you had Billy Morin, who's the former chief of the Enoch Cree Nation. You had uh, Jamil Giovanni, who sp spoke about uh, being young, uh, and that was pretty much all he said. The speakers were surprisingly bad. <laughs> They're not very charismatic, very awkward. They all were expected to say the exact same thing as the first, I don't know, two minutes of their speech. They were all expected to start by talking about the carbon tax, talking about affordability, and then saying the slogan that they're going to bring it home. This is the big slogan of Pierre Pauly Ever. He's going to bring it home. So, you know, that was fine for the first two speakers. But by the time we got to the end, it was like, oh, my God, this is this is too much. Um, if my math is correct, 100 percent of the women who spoke on stage last night, other than the, the host, uh, who's an MP from uh, from Calgary, 100 uh, of the women were named Barbara. So that'll give you an idea of the age of uh, of the women on stage. And um, and it was pretty vacant sloganeering. You know, they talk about affordability, um, I think, because they they know it's popular. They have absolutely no plans to do anything. They claim that the government, the federal government specifically, takes 80 percent of uh, your paycheck back, which is, I mean, a lie, just not true at all. Um, the biggest cheers from the crowd last night, which I thought were interesting. There was two moments where there's the, the biggest cheers 
One uh, was when they mentioned the Freedom Convoy. So this is something that obviously has morphed into something that conservatives really, really identify with and support. Um, And it wasn't just cheers like from one person. I mean, like the crowd really erupted. And it was just like a a, a passing reference to the Freedom Convoy and people went wild. And then the other was this very juvenile and silly reference to uh, which flags should be on our public buildings. And of course, it should be the red and white uh, Canadian maple leaf. Uh, That got a lot of cheers. And of course, the undercurrent to that comment was uh, there should be no other flags, like perhaps, I don't know, maybe a pride flag. Um, A lot of discussions about how Justin Trudeau is, uh, I mean, needs to go and has caused the affordability crisis and blah, blah, blah. But the culture wars played a significant role. Um, A lot of talking about how the the liberals virtue signal played a special interest and wokeness. But I mean, the whole event last night was virtue signaling to conservatives. So I mean, I don't know. That's pretty ridiculous, but it is what it is. And, uh, and they also had people, uh, gymnasts repelling from the roof, um, holding, uh, and doing music, playing guitars and stuff. Um, I of course wasn't inside, so I had to rely on, um, you know, texts I was getting from folks that were inside and, um, uh, from watching it on CPAC, like everybody else, which is what I had to do. I had to <laughs> sit on a bench beside the convention center and live stream it on my phone as I followed along uh, on my computer. So, um, you know, barring me is literally just an attack on me personally. It's just harassment. It's just intending to make my life difficult, which today it's going to rain. So that's going to be even worse. So um, opening ceremonies, I mean, there was no one of note to, 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 to even raise who spoke. It's very clear that they're playing um, into the rising, uh, rising, what they're saying are rising crime rates, uh, uh, publicly funded drug overdoses. So expect to hear much more about crime, about um, bail sentences and putting people in jail. I mean, they blamed Justin Trudeau for creating a system where criminals are released the same day they're charged. And it's like that. What are you talking about that Trudeau's? The, the Trudeau government never did that, but uh, I mean, that's just how it works, guys. And of course, they all know this, but this is this is how they're whipping up their base. Now, quickly talking about that base, I talked to a lot of delegates, all very, very nice, um, all very reasonable conversations. I talked to one delegate in, in particular, a young guy, 22 years old from southwestern Ontario, who was ha- happy that Polly Ever hasn't gotten into the um, culture war discussions, hasn't really taken sides and hasn't really spoken directly. Clearly, the party is trying to do that. And the activists, some activists in the party are trying to do that. But he thought it was interesting that Polly Ever was not getting his hands dirty. This is someone who calls himself a libertarian and who has voted um, for all parties uh, before he got involved in the conservatives. Um, I talked to an older standard uh, conservative guy and the conversation was pleasant until he asked what my politics were. And I said, I was a socialist. And he went on a, a rant about how socialism is what has destroyed every aspect of Canada and socialists have had power in Canada for too long, which of course is like, um, I mean, do, do you also think two plus two equals seven? Because socialists have never had power in Canada. And, you know, <laughs> like read a book, <laughs> old man, read a book, which is kind of what I said to him. But he didn't uh, believe me that that's what the book said, because uh, he told me that he thought Bill Davis, uh, former conservative, progressive conservative, uh, premier of Ontario, uh, is, is a socialist. So that's the level of um, of education that some of these folks have, but um, again, a super nice guy. And then I'll finish with this. Um, you know, once the the opening ceremonies were finished, I was able to get to a couple of hospitality suites. And the two hospitality suites that I got to that I'm going to raise, I think are just very interesting. They're right beside each other. One is Equal Voice, which is a, a, a nonpartisan group that, you know, I've got criticisms of uh, that tries to foster women's participation in politics. 
I've never seen an equal voice event where the ratio of men to women was about 15 to one. And I think that that's being generous. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I don't know what equal voice was thinking or hoping that they would do. I missed if there was speeches. I missed that. I got there too late. Um, but it was like all men. <laughs> so I don't know if those men talked about stepping aside and letting women run, but okay. And the one beside that was the Campaign Life Coalition. I talked to their president and I talked to the person who coordinates the march uh, for life in Ottawa. Uh, this is uh, the, the most uh, effective, I would say, uh, far-right social uh, conservative um, group position uh, position group in in, uh, in Canada. Very, very well organized. Um, for anybody who's a Catholic nerd, I got into a debate with someone who uh, honestly believes we should ditch Vatican II. So um, that's like a really extremist position on what the Catholic Church should be. And that basically means the Catholic Church should go back to having only Latin masses um, and look more like it did in 1948 than it did in 1969 or 1970. Uh, so that was, again, interesting. Uh, they are organized and they're encouraging delegates uh, how to vote based on their principles uh, in, a, in a whole list, of, um, in a whole list of, of motions that will be up uh, today and tomorrow. And, um, you know, they let me in. We had some interesting conversations. I'm, I'm not uncomfortable in those, those places. And so that was kind of fun. But uh, wow, <laughs> Vatican II. Okay. <laughs> so I'm back there today and um, I probably won't do this again on Monday. Don't worry. Uh, but I thought, you know, I'm seeing a lot of stuff and uh, it, it, it is important for Canadians to understand like this party will be in power, whether or not it's the next election or the election after that. And um, and frankly, some pretty scary things are happening uh, there. They today's motions and tomorrow's motions. I don't know what will get to the floor, um, but there are some motions that uh, that do play into the culture wars thing. You know, one motion completely trying to eliminate um, the CBC, uh, some discussions on gender, neut gender neutral washrooms. Um, but aside from all of this, you know, the refusal to allow journalists in uh, and with absolutely no um, explanation and frankly, the willingness of other journalists to be like, OK, whatever, we'll just keep covering this as if there's nothing going on. It's like this is someone who already is limiting questions in Ottawa to five and journalists are playing along with that. And there is a way for us to refuse this, which is to refuse to go or to make a stink or to, I don't know, unite and do something collectively. You know, I got a lot of really nice comments from people that I know who are there covering the event. But um, uh, folks, they're doing this to me not because you're the, re the real journalist and I'm not. They're doing this to me because they're afraid of me. And the second that they decide that they want to silence you all, they're going to silence you as well. So, you know, let's be very clear about what's happening here. Wish me luck. It's uh, going to be another hot day and I'll be in the rain with my laptop. So thank you, Sarah Fisher, Director of Communications, who seems very overhead and doesn't actually uh, have any talent. So I have a new enemy. <laughs> That's your episode for this morning. I'm Nora. You're listening to this at SandyNora.com at the Real News Network podcast feed and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a wonderful weekend and think of me when you're not sitting outside covering the conservative convention. <laughs>